0: Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio,
1: here's Steve Jones. Clifford on the opening snap. Back throws. Dotson reaches out 35, 40, 50. To our sideline, 40, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown Penn State on the first play of the game. Gets a 75-yard touchdown pass from Sean Clifford to Jahan Dotson. And the Nittany Lions, just like that, striking it on the board. The longest reception of Jahan Dotson's career. Back he goes, delivers down the middle of the field, and diving was Ellis, and he got it. Keaton Ellis picks it off at the five-yard line. His first career interception, and he made a spectacular catch. McCourt line drive, backing up is Wade, he's going to come out, goal line, 5, 10, to his left block from Washington, 15, 20, 25, 30, Wade far sideline, 35, 40, gets past McCourt, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Lamont Wade, he becomes (laughs) the sixth player in the history of Penn State football to run a kickoff back more than 100 yards for a touchdown. Unbelievable! Levis takes it, he wants to run through the hole, into the end zone, touchdown Penn State! They convert on fourth down. And it's a low line drive, Dotson at the 40, got it, 45, 50, to his right, 45, 40, far sideline, 30, inside the 30, 25, 20, to the 15, breaks the tackle to the 10, and the Nittany Lions are in point blank range. Second and goal at the three, looking for the lead. Clifford. Kaziah Holmes bounces to the left, into the end zone for his first career. Penn State touchdown, and the Nittany Lions retake the lead. First and goal at the one. Keevon Lee up the middle, touchdown Penn State. The Netty Lions go 91 yards, Jack. On first and ten, their own 30-yard line. Back to pass. Throws far side. Dotson's got it. Dotson 30, 35, 40. Dotson down the far side line. 50, 40. He's gone. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Penn State. A 74-yard, a 70-yard inside screen for a touchdown. He had great blocking in front of him, and he accelerated through those blocks. Now they shift out three-man front. They blitz two. Back goes Williams, hit by Shelton, and down he goes. He fumbled the football. Penn State will get the ball, and the Nittany Lions take over. What a play by Shelton. Levis will be a quarterback on fourth down and one at the seven. Far hash. Looks to the sideline. They crowd the line of scrimmage, Dots in motion away from us. Levis will throw, dumps it off for Strange, Strange at the 10, breaks the tackle to the five, hurdles toward the pylon, near side, got it, touchdown! Penn State, what an effort by Prenton Strange. Holmes to the right of Levis on third down, now they shift to the left, third and goal to one. Levis to Holmes, up the middle, into the line, he's got it, touchdown Penn State.
0: I think the first quarter took an hour and a half. <laughs> Every time we turned around, there was a big play. Benson had 580 yards on offense in the game, 580. You then add in the 125 yards on the three returns, because officially you have to make Lamont Wade's 102-103. That officially has to be 100. That's just the NCAA stat rule. So they don't do the additional yardage into the end zone in the on the stats anymore. And then there was a twenty five yard kickoff return by Parker Washington and the fifty yard punt return by Jahan Dotson. You had those three plays in. Pensey had a hundred and had seven hundred fifty five yards, the five eighty in, in yards from scrimmage, and the one seventy five returns, seven hundred fifty five yards. The last three quarters, they gave up only 75 yards total to Illinois. I mean, they obviously just grabbed complete control of the game. Um, and so they ended a four-game winning streak. That is, uh, now we get to the bowl part of it. Uh, Jack him, and I had a long talk this morning about this. let's see I'm finally able to get into my uh, thing here so Chris from Shemokin Dam wants to talk about the part we're about to talk about here so Chris let's get to to it I want to answer all your questions how are you first of of all happy holidays to you and a Merry Christmas to you and your family
2: thank you very much and same to you and yours thank you Uh, I just had a comment on the team choosing not to Playing a bowl game, and I think I, I'd like to commend the players for thinking of their coaches, and especially Coach Franklin, the sacrifices they have all made to keep the team going, and the amount of separation time that Coach Franklin has been away from his wife and his two daughters. I think that's very unselfish act on the players' part.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's part of it, and uh, I'm going to get to more of that in a minute about about that decision.
2: I had a quick question for you also.
0: Of course. On a, on a
2: transfer, a couple yes. years, two or three years ago, Penn State recruited a quarterback out of Oregon. What has happened to him, if I could ask?
0: Uh, where did Michael Johnson transfer to? Um, that's a good question. It, he, I'm trying to think where Michael Johnson transferred to. Because I remember one time I had to – and it worked out fine because it was uh, – the football banquet. He and Ricky Ronnie had to leave the football banquet. And I said, look, I'll get this done as quickly as possible. So you guys, because they were going out to Eugene to see him. And that was part of it. And then when Michael got here, um, he ended up going to Florida Atlantic, by the way. Uh, Okay. And, and when they got him, and I watched him play in practice, like, jeez. You know, in terms of running. Now, he can run. I mean, Chris. Michael Johnson can run. Nice moves, long. Uh, but he... Um, but throwing the ball, I wasn't comfortable with how he threw the ball. Taquan Roberson throws a, a a pretty good ball. Michael Johnson did not but Michael Johnson was a better runner between he and Taquan Roberson. He uh, he's a guy, right though, goal, that... If,
2: he could be a multi-purpose player and not just quarterback. And,
0: and Florida Atlantic is where... Look, like, he's going to want to play quarterback at FAU. There's no getting around it. That's why he went there. That's going to give him his best shot at playing. Uh will be at quarterback down there. I just remember no, the I thumbnail mean,
2: sketches whenever they recruited him, and they talked pretty highly on him. But high school and college are two completely different animals.
0: Yeah, it's just, it, Chris, it's, it's not that Mike doesn't throw a, a good ball. It's just I kind of felt like he was aim- When I watched him, and maybe it's just in the learning process, there was a lack of fluidity the way he threw it. He, I felt always like he was aiming the ball. All right, go ahead, let loose Mike, don't aim it let loose and that's yep. what I kept waiting to see and I never quite saw that now that doesn't mean two years from now he developed some fluidity and, and so forth but I felt that that was going to be a work in progress with him as a thrower of the football not running the ball running the ball was going to be fine
2: alright well thank you for taking my call hopefully I'll see you at the blue and white game
0: I can't wait to see you at the blue and white game. I just want to see anybody right now.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hey, take care. Happy holidays.
0: Thank you. Happy holidays to you. All right. So, all right. So, let's get to the part about the bowl game for a moment. A week ago this time, and I would have said this tomorrow as well. So, Monday, Tuesday last week, I was absolutely confident that Penn State, especially if they won the game, would go to a bowl game. But, of course, what did I say over and over again, Matt? I said over and over again, sooner the better, right?
1: That's how I couched
0: it. It was always the sooner the better because if they could, you know, that's why when I kept seeing the possibility of Phoenix there, Phoenix, the game is Saturday. All right, that's week to week. I'll tell you when I started to have my doubts But there weren't enough doubts for me to say they wouldn't do it. I still went into Saturday's game thinking they still would, but I remember talking to Jack before the game off the air. Obviously, we didn't do this on the air because the topic never really came up on the air. air. Wednesday morning, I went into Lash Building, and I was there for, I don't know, what, four hours for a letter of intent day. Now, it's the first time I... Physically been around anybody in the football program since the first week of March. Before I went to the Northwestern basketball game in March, I went to a football workout that Wednesday. It was the day after the Michigan State basketball game, I think. And I was able to go around and talk with everybody, meet the new coaches, meet John Scott, meet Phil Troutwine, meet Kirk, meet Taylor Stubblefield. It was the first time I had a chance to do any of that at that workout, and then talk to some of the players and so forth. So I hadn't been physically around them since. Now, obviously, I, we had Brent Pry on the show. We had Kirk Sherock on the show. Um, you know, we've had several people on the show, and, of course, James, every every week I talk to him. But it's different when you're talking with somebody face-to-face. and that includes Zoom Uh, Zoom is a step above social isolation in my opinion you just don't get you don't get much Zoom is, is a replacement and no better than that and when I went in there Wednesday, uh, you know, I got a chance to talk to James a little bit. I didn't talk to James that much, really not much, because, I mean, he was really locked in and involved in the recruiting part of it. So it, it, it was, you know, a couple quick conversations, hey, whatever, no questions, whatever. It was okay, all business. Got a chance to talk to Brent for a little bit. Got a chance to talk to Kirk for a little bit. I uh, got a chance to talk to um, Phil Troutwine for a little bit. Uh, Terry Smith absolutely talked to him. Tim Banks a little bit. Sean Clifford had a chance to talk with him. Had a chance to talk with Jesse Lucetta. Had a chance to talk to Jordan Stout, Pat Friermuth. You know, we'll get to Pat in a moment. So you know, so now you start talking to everybody. You know. And that's when you could tell, because the first thing when I walked in the building, I saw all the testing kits available for everybody. And I asked whether I had to take have to, had to take one or not. And they said, no, uh, just wear a mask, just go in, and okay, because you're going to be here for four hours and that's it. I said, okay. So I didn't have to do it. Now, when you're talking to everybody, you're starting to see, because it started with the testing of fronts, because I ran into Tim Banks there. Now you're starting to get the feel about how much this wear has been wearing on everybody. You can't go out and see friends, you don't take classes in person. Like I said, when I was talking to Will Levis, I mean, even Will Levis, who is a 3.99, he's a 3.99 in finance. He's taking 18 credits. He hates taking classes on Zoom. He told me so. So you have to take all your classes on Zoom. You can't go see friends. You can't see your family. You you, you can do the quick grab and go. I mean, I ran into Tariq Castro Fields three weeks ago at Sheets. I mean, he ran up and he hugged me as if he had, you know, like like a long-lost friend. And... Because they don't see anybody. And it wears on everybody. And now you're being asked to like give up your holiday you know, give up Christmas. Now I know, yeah, you can do the Christmas thing on New Year's weekend, so I understand that part. But this wouldn't be like another bowl trip. You literally would have had to have practiced here, probably flown to the game site. The night before. Then play the game. Then you can break up after that. There'd be no bowl experience, and 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 believe me, the quote extra practice thing. I I debunked that weeks ago on the show. I mean, I debunked that weeks ago. Well, they get extra practice. Not what a game week. A game week where you're playing consecutive. You know, this would have been the tenth consecutive week of playing. It would have been. It would have been scaled-down practice. It would not have been... There's no extra kind of practice for the younger players or anything like that. It would have been all scaled down like because it would be a normal game week. You, know, you just can't keep playing games week after week. When you play a bowl game, you've got weeks in between where you can do developmental practices, maybe five or six. You don't practice during finals week at all. Then you get out of the game site and you put it all together because you'll take the weekends and you'll do your the team practices in the weekends and the developmental ones in the middle of the week. You couldn't do that with this. So the extra practice was negligible. It didn't, wouldn't mean anything. You'd just be doing a game week practice. And it would be scaled back because it's the 10th straight week you'd be playing. And I just started to get a different feeling after being in there about how much it has taken emotionally to do this, not just physically, because, I mean, they've got nine straight weeks, no break. It's interesting because the Steelers are going to be playing tonight, and what's, what's one of the big complaints about the Steelers? This is the 11th straight week they've played because they had to change the bye week in the schedule to accommodate the Tennessee problem. And the Steelers are talking about how, as professionals, it's 11 tough weeks in a row like that. Well, these are college guys also trying to take class, go through finals, things like that. would have been 10 straight weeks. And I think everybody just kind of looked at each other. And were there players that wanted to play? Yes, there were. But in the end, I think everybody looked at each other and said, you know what, I think there's a limit to this. Enough's enough. And that's I think that's what it came down to I think everybody looked at it and said you know what we've done everything everybody's asked we played nine straight weeks only Rutgers is the only other school in the Big Ten that did that I think we've done everything that everybody's asked us to do and now we have now we finally have a choice I think they chose to to spend the holidays at home with their families which is what Many of you get a chance to do too. I mean, my goodness, I mean families weren't even allowed in the stadium on Saturday. Because the higher power said they shouldn't be there. I'll leave it at that. You follow the rules whether you agree with them or not. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment. Here on News Radio ten seventy WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sunbury, go to purdinginsurance.com. Auto Home Light Business. They'll make sure you're completely insured and also make sure that they'll save you as much money as possible. All at Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Sunbury. Go to PurdyInsurance.com. Mark Wogenrich from SI.com, we welcome you to the show. Happy holidays to you and uh, yours, uh, Mark. It's always a pleasure, my friend.
3: Me too. Happy holidays to you too as well, Steve. I hope you are able to enjoy them as much as possible this yeah,
0: year. I, yeah, I will. Same with you. I Good. will, as a matter of fact. Uh, all right. Uh, so let so, so, First quarter, Jack and I look at each other. It's like it's twenty-one twenty-one. <laughs> we're trying. We're trying to think if we've ever done a twenty-one twenty-one in the first quarter before.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think during the game I tweeted that this game was on pace to go into overtime, tied at one sixty-eight. So, because <laughs> that was what it was—forty-two points in five minutes, right? Yeah. or twenty-eight points. Yeah, twenty points in five minutes in the first yep. five minutes of that game between you know.
0: Five minutes and ten seconds. It was 14-14. Yeah. Uh, so, but then uh, I'll tell you what, what I thought really turned it, and it's subtle. But at one point, you know, they got a three and out. Then the next series, they got a first down and a play, but then three out after that. Then a three and out, three and out. So I started saying on the air, hey, Jack, they've only run seven plays their last two have only run 10 plays their last three, 13 their last four. I thought that's where they gained control, Marcus, when they actually gained control defensively, because you knew they had enough offense to beat this team.
3: Yeah, it felt a little bit, in a way, it felt a little, little bit like a bowl game, that start where it's teams that, you know, at this point both are saying, what the heck, you know, I don't know what Penn State when they actually made their bold decision. But, you know, obviously Illinois wasn't going to go to a game. So they came out, you know, with that, you know, devil may care, kind of let's let's go. And it worked for them a little bit. They gave them some energy. They got the turnover. They got the big play by Isaiah Williams. They got that, uh, the, uh, I guess, that funky uh, trick play that they ran. Got yeah. them the touchdowns. Those, those stops, I think those stops led to something like 10 punts, what, 10 punts and 11 drives. Or yeah. something um like that. That once once it kinda became clear that it was relative relatively one note offense for Penn State to stop and that I think the linebackers, especially Brandon Smith and, and the defensive tackles, got their feet set in that game. They knew that they just kinda had one you know, one you know, kind of a run game really to stop it, you know, or it it wasn't gonna beat Penn State on thing passing. Um I don't know, what was it, seven or eight, three and outs? After that, yes. I mean, it was just, yeah, it was. It was just
0: seven, seven yeah, of them, yeah.
3: It was, uh, just completely took over. I mean, the defense completely took over. And then that was, um, was kind of the defense I maybe expected to see a little bit earlier in this year to get those, um, to get his feet settled sooner and get those stops. And that was, that was you know, you point across the year, That was one of the keys early, not getting off the field to see what happens when you do it.
0: I'm going to get back to the game in a moment. It's obviously the decision that was revealed after the game that has people mm-hmm. talking to not go to a bowl game. Uh, what was your reaction when you heard that?
3: It was. I think it was initially um, a bit of a bit of surprise, just just at the idea that here's a team that had found its stride, and I'm talking only from the football perspective first. Like, from that football perspective, I was a little bit surprised because they'd found their stride. One, you know, won four games in a row. Looked really good. I thought the last couple of weeks, um, fairly dominant overall. I mean, you know, aside from a couple of lapses against Illinois and another, I guess, the 58th point they'd given up um, via turnover this yeah. season early in that game, overall looked better. So, from that perspective, I thought I'm a little bit surprised that they wouldn't want to play another football game. And maybe they do. You know, maybe they wouldn't mind playing another football game, but it's the rest of it, and that's where I wasn't surprised one bit. That um, and, and that's where I, I'm not even not being surprised, but also understanding um, and thinking, "Hey, good for you. Good decision made. That you don't want to go through the rest of it in order to play that game." I, you know, at some point, I think with this particular season, you reach a level of enough is enough that you don't want to get swabbed at 6.30 every morning, and maybe you do just want to see your, your parents and your families and your girlfriends without having to go through that, you know, that whole um, the sacrifice that they give up. I mean, they were willing to do it back in September and October, and they did it. And I think at this point to say that there's uh, that you need to play a ball game um, was over the top, and they choose not to perfectly, I, you know, I completely understand that, and I actually, I, I think that's, for them, probably the right decision.
0: It was, it's, uh, and I told the, sh- uh, the people listening earlier on the show that Wednesday, for the first time since March, I was actually physically able to go in to Lash Building, because mm-hmm. the last time I was around him was at a workout in March. haven't been able to be around them since, so I I was asked to come in for a letter of intent day. So it was the first time, Mark, I'd been around everybody. And when I walked in, the first thing you walk in is there are all the testing kits and people going over to get the testing kits. After spending four hours there and in bits and pieces of conversations, that's where I really finally got the feel from everybody that I talked to how wearing this entire process had been. Since day one, not physically, I mean, but it's the ninth straight week of playing a game, but mentally, and that's where I started mm-hmm. to now change my thought process as to whether they might go to a bowl game or not. That's at least how I approached it.
3: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned playing nine straight weeks. You don't do that in a twelve games. You just don't do that even in a normal season to, to play nine weeks, and um, that's that's I think that's debilitating enough. And James Franklin said after the game that they were thin physically just beyond COVID testing, beyond all that, beyond, you know, false positives and everything wearing on you emotionally and mentally. They were, they were worn down physically for playing for nine straight weeks. So that coupled with when we got to talk to Brent Pry a couple of weeks ago, he told us about going over to James Franklin's house on a Thursday night. And he said it was the first time he had been there. I think during the regular season, and he just—he was taken aback. He said he was taken aback by the fact that walking into this empty house that, that James's family had not been there since March—that that really struck him as well. And you know, these are sorts of things that you you know about, but necessarily don't think about. So you know, getting these guys on these calls later in the year, you could see the wear on them a little bit. Yeah. You could hear it in their voice, You know. Finishing that out, the senior day game, yes. I think mean, they were absolutely, uh, I think, inclined and thrilled to do that. And getting the home game, had they, you know, I wonder what would have happened had they had to travel to Illinois, if that would have been the situation, whether they would have been really inclined to do that. But getting one more home game, sure. I don't think they feel any – I don't think they felt good about that. Winning that game, I just I, – I got the sense that, you know, off the field, with everything you know surrounding them, developed off the field. This was the right way to go out. This was the exact way that they wanted to finish it. Record, you know, record aside.
0: Yep. All right. So now let's get it back to the game itself. Uh, Sean Clifford, in the last four games during the winning streak, five touchdown passes, one interception. Mm-hmm. Then you add in Will Levis, his touchdown pass to Brenton Strange, which was, by the way, a great effort by Strange. So the two quarterbacks combined for six touchdowns and one picked the last four games. What did that mean to the winning part, especially when you contrast it with the opening games and the turnovers?
3: Yeah. I remember the touchdown numbers, but it was eight interceptions through, I guess, those five games. Um, yes. And I, I think he had 12 turnovers. Um, credited to him on the season. And, you know, he knew it. You know, he was incredible. He was open and honest about it. He absolutely knew it that that was, <laughs> that 12 is by far too many, you know, than what he should be uh, giving up. I think he felt, you know, you could hear it again in his voice over the last couple of weeks. He felt more comfortable with the idea of that quarterback cliche of being a game manager. That early on, I think he pressed, and he knew he pressed, and he tried to press too much, and that led him into situations. That you know, the first play of the game, that's not I. I, That's not a play designed to go seventy-five yards for a touchdown. That's That's a play. That's right. You know, that's an RPO. That's he's going to run. He's going to check. You know, you know, if he's got the throw, he makes it. And Jahan Dotson is, as James Franklin likes to say, you know, you stay ahead of the sticks that's supposed to get you into second and three, you know, or, you know, second and four, something like that. It's not designed to go 75. Jahan made a great play and outraced the defense. So that's a great move. But if that doesn't go 75 and it gets seven yards, he's at second and three there. I think the gradual build of the confidence over those last couple of weeks in those plays that that was, you know, the plays that he was making like that, that weren't turning into 75-yard touchdowns or 70-yard touchdowns because Jahan Dotson is, is, you know, head faking everybody. But he's also getting himself ahead of sticks. He's getting himself ahead of the chains, and he's in better situations on second down, better situations on third down, and not trying to do too much. So I think that's where his confidence grew out of the last month.
0: In the last four games, uh, what was your thought process on where Penn State is, I mean, it's an unusual season. So I think it's hard to gauge where anybody is right now. But what's your thought process on where Penn State at, is right now, and and is it is it any predictor for what can set up for twenty twenty one or not? Yeah, I that the second
3: part of that, I would have no idea because I'm gonna really kind of confine this season into its own asterisk, really. Yes, they I could agree. They can use yeah. it if you uh, if you. You know, having the fact that you had on that field, what, two freshman running backs, two freshmen, really three freshman tight ends with a shirt freshman and Brenton Strange and, you know, a couple of young linemen, you know, playing and all of that, you got a lot of guys playing time who deserved it and, and really used it really well. And now they can hit the reset switch on it and come back basically as freshmen again that's an amazing, yeah. I think that's an amazing thing. I think the Penn State team we saw over the last four weeks is the one I expected to see, yeah, um, me too. you know, in the beginning of the year. And I wonder, you know, I, you know, I tried to write this on, on occasions. I just wonder what would have happened had um, Michael Penix uh, um, not been ruled a touchdown on the field. That, you know, that, like, you know, that being ruled a touchdown in overtime on the field um, how drastically that changed the season? Because I do think that lingered. I think that lingered into the following week uh, against Ohio State, and then it, you know, then it lingered because you're zero and two in a season with eight games, and you feel like, well, this is over. You know, you've already it's already ended for you. But I just think that's stretched in. If, if the, maybe if the schedule is switched and they win a couple of these, you know, they get these games that they win early or whatever. This is the team that I expected to see. I didn't see, expect to see the mistake-prone team, the turnover team, the team that had a lot of trouble open-field tackling, and maybe some of just like open, you know, wide-open receivers, you know, break down in coverage kinds of things. Um, you know, that you saw early in occasion uh, in the beginning of the year. That was the team I expected.
0: Yeah, what I saw the last six quarters is what I expected the whole year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's they do the, I saw the last six quarters. What I expected the entire season, and I agree with you. I think the two point play by Penix. See, I think if they had ruled him on the field short, I, mean, I still go back to that. Mm-hmm. They ruled him on the field short. I think they also would have said right. uh, stands is called. I think whatever yeah. the ruling on the field was, what they were going to stay with, and that, you know, and that's just the way it is. I mean, that's that's the way it turned out. It's how you react to it, and. It, you know, finally, in the last four games, they did. I have to ask you: the bowl thing comes up, and the heck with the final four. I can't believe a ninety-two Army team wasn't included when you've got nine teams in there that are under five hundred playing bowl games. It's,
3: yeah, and I've read around some of that this morning, and um, you know, we understand the contracts involved, and sure, and that's where you know you know if there would have been big ten contracts involved, it very well could have happened the same way as well, you know, mm-hmm. like an army getting shut out because you know you know a three win big ten team decides it wants to go you know so it could have happened because of those bull contracts and you just wonder whether I, I, Part of me even thinks that this that Army is going to get a game somehow. That we are going. I do too. To, somehow the BYU Coastal Carolina something is going to happen. People are going to make this happen um, because in the confine. you know, I'm just in in the the idea of this season. But overall, I you know the bowl system's got to be it's got to be reconsidered maybe with the um, the Power Five depth of those contracts that maybe you can't. Um, that that bowls have you know potentially more open field to work with um, at the end of the, you know at the end of the year and they're not so constrained by um, seven deep tie-ins with with the uh, with the Power Five conferences or you know anything like that. I got to know one of their assistant coaches really well, John Luce, who runs a wonderful yeah. football camp in this area at Lafayette College, um, and he's you know assistant on that staff. And, uh, you know, just some of the things he's told me in the past of how, like, what cadets go through to play football, I mean, wow. <laughs> and to, to, to think of, you know, they don't get an opportunity uh, uh, to play another football game. Um, yeah, I hope that changes. I think it might.
0: Yeah, I think it might, too. Mark, to you and your great family, happy holidays to you. Thanks so I, much for all the time you've us. I you, too. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Mark we'll come back with more in a moment Uh, Paul Domowich will be on the show today from the Philly Inquirer because you know the Eagles made a game respectable so Matt feels like they won
1: Uh, not really Uh, but
0: I just just want to refresh you on the rules like if you have more points than the other team you're actually the winner
1: that's correct
0: so we'll talk uh, with Paul about moral victories in the final half hour of the show Paul Alexander, next half hour here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.
1: I'm back. Brewers Outlet, Brewer's Outlet, Brewers Outlet, Bud 30 Packs 16.95, Bud 30 Packs 1695, Bud 30 Packs 1695, or maybe a Molson 28 pack for just $19.95. Imports, microbrews, soda snacks, hot sauce, and of course, the pickle bar. Have a friend? Need a present? How about a brewer's outlet gift card? Merry Christmas to all. And thank you for the many years of patronage.
0: This is uh, always one of those bittersweet days to me. And the reason it's a bittersweet day to me is uh, this uh, would have been Joe Paterno's 94th birthday today. So I want to say that uh, uh, Shane Simmons announced today that uh, his uh, football career is over with. And And in his, I don't know if it's post or Twitter or Instagram or however he did it, he decided that, you know, he said wonderful things. And in the end, I think he did something that is going to touch the longtime Penn State fan more than anything. Because in the end... He threw this quote in there. Let's see, where is it here? All right. Um, Get that in a second for you here. I had it. My apologies. Said, said, I have decided to forego the additional year of eligibility granted by the NCAA this year to pursue my passion in the business world. Thank you to Coach Franklin, Coach Pry, Coach Spencer, for your unwavering support over the years. I know we are family, and you will be a part of my life forever because of you and the love and support of my family and Nittany Nation. I can do anything. I'm incredibly grateful to be a Penn Stater, and my goal is to continue to have you all proud. Like Jopa said, believe deep down in your heart that you're destined to do great things, and I truly believe I am destined to do great things in this world. Shane Simmons... Um we had him on the post-game show, um, and on the post-game show, it was a week ago, Michigan State, he was incredible. And, it was, and, of course, his walkout music was my way, Frank Sinatra. And so Jack was kidding him about it. He said, I he said you're the only guy I know that would, would put Sinatra out there um, as your, as your walk up music, which was great. And I think that, you know, here's a guy, his Michigan State game was his first start. He played great. He played really well Saturday as well. But um, when he put that out today and he quoted Joe, and especially quoting Joe on what would have been Joe's 94th birthday, probably touched a chord. With Penn State, longtime Penn State fans forever. James Franklin is the present and thankfully the future of Penn State football. All right. Penn State football is in the position it's in and has 902 wins in part because one guy was either an assistant or a head coach for 513 of them and he'll be forever remembered. And this being what would have been his 94th birthday is something that will touch everyone that's a Penn State fan, a longtime Penn State fan forever. All right. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Paul Alexander, next half hour.